Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, hopefully you've been able to uh, get a couple days to kind of unwind. I know it's been a crazy couple of weeks, what with trying to cover, you know, all the lead up into Billy Napier's hire. And then obviously, as he's filled out his assistant coaching staff, his support staff, uh, trying to figure out, you know, which players are in the portal, which players are, you know, looking to stay, bowl game, all this and that. You've obviously been covering recruiting quite a bit leading into last week's early signing period. I haven't had a chance to get you on the show, but I wanted to kind of first and foremost get your thoughts as the recruiting expert on how that early signing period went for Florida. I know we kind of went into it with maybe some lowered expectations relative to maybe normal years for for Florida. But Blake, what was your overall takeaway from how Florida ended on early signing period with with nine signees? Yeah, you know, it was a little different than normal. Usually it feels like you have 23 shells ready to go for all the guys that were committed in the class that were signing on the early signing period. A little different heading into the day with a limited number of commits. Uh, kind of started off, uh, you know, pretty pretty much out the gate, 7.30 announcement for four-star defensive back Devin Moore, who committed to Florida over Notre Dame. And then there was a bit of a lull following that. You have, you know, some of the, the guys who had been committed, you know, you're waiting for their faxes to come in, really no um, drama there, you know, just kind of getting everything tied together. Um, that obviously took care of itself. Um, and then Florida finishes off the day. Um, that four o'clock hour was really busy. You know, you have Kamari Wilson, the five-star safety who picked Florida over Georgia and a couple other schools. Those were really the two schools uh, in the mix mostly. And there was a lot of things that happened with that addition of Kamari Wilson. First, five-star right out the gate for Billy Napier. That's a composite five-star, um, you know, so a big win for, for Florida and Billy Napier really kind of showing those recruiting chops going against the Georgias, you know, big time school like that on top of landing that big time five-star, you know, it took Billy Napier like what, 10 days to break the IMG curse that, yep. you know, had plagued two different coaching staffs previously to him. Um, you know, Florida has really struggled to get some of those guys out of IMG Academy um, for a multitude of reasons that, you know, it, it could be the fact that, you know, a lot of those guys are not from the state of Florida. So there really aren't any, you know, loyalties to staying in state. Kamari Wilson's obviously a little different being from Fort Pierce himself. Um, and it was kind of cool hearing the story of, you know, Billy Napier stopping by IMG that week before signing day, um, going to see his mom at a Sam's, you know, yeah. really, you know, kind of meeting up there with him. <laughs> Unique them. story. Unique story there. So, you know, a big addition for him holding on to another four-star top 100 defensive lineman and Chris McClellan, who had been committed to Florida. Um, but, you know, so, you know, where there wasn't maybe the big fireworks to where you're seeing, you know, these guys, you know, a handful of guys coming in, um, you know, Shamar James, the top 100 four-star linebacker was really kind of the last piece to the signing day puzzle, having that six o'clock announcement, uh, recommitting to Florida. And I think that's another testament to Napier, Patrick Tony, the co-defensive coordinator, you know, because let's say a week, a couple days into that before 
the early signing period, you had Florida, you know, not, not in the final runnings. It was an Alabama Georgia battle. Uh, Florida kept working on uh, Shamar did a couple zoom meetings with him um, leading up to the early signing period, had one with his mother the night before the Tuesday night before the early signing period. Um, but it was also another interesting story is, you know, Patrick Tony's up till, you know, like one o'clock, two o'clock Eastern time, you know, playing PlayStation with Shamar James. So, you know, there's, the, the dead period is it's people think like, man, how are these coaches doing all this? It's a dead period. And that really only limits to face-to-face contact. That's coming to campus, you coming by the home, you know, to do an in-home visit and what, you know, whatnot. But this Florida staff, I've, I've heard of other coaching staffs playing video games with guys. And I'm not saying that's, you know, pulling out of the stops. That's not what you have to do to keep up with the Joneses there. But you finally saw Florida doing that. You finally saw Florida doing some kind of way to relate to these kids. Seemed to definitely play off, like I said, having Florida being on the outside looking in for Shamar James maybe four or five days before the early signing period uh, to really make that big charge to add him back to the fold. So, you know, those three guys, you know, Devin Moore, Kamari Wilson, Shamar James, where there wasn't maybe a lot of fireworks where you're seeing all these different kids announce and, you know, pick Florida. I think they really started off this solid nucleus of this class to where you can continue to build things around going forward Um, in January leading up to the February National Signing Day. Uh, whether you want to dabble in the, the NCAA transfer portal, which is always, you know, popping off, there's always new names going in and out of that. But Florida really has a solid nucleus of guys. You know, Jalen Farmer is the one guy currently in the commitment class that is not signed with Florida. He will take an official visit in January and sign in February. Um, but again, Florida has a really solid nucleus. There's a lot of guys still that are unsigned. Um, leading into February's National Signing Day. And I think that's more of a testament of, you know, this year was a weird year of coaches moving around. You saw so many different changes going on. Um, the bowl games are still going on. There could definitely be, I mean, who knows? There could be more coaching changes where you've seen these head coaches now. Now the assistant coaches, that's where you start to see things shuffle. So um, being a year of just so many coaching changes moving around, um, I can't recall, at least since the, the December signing period became a thing to where there's still quite a bit of big time guys that are still on the board that are unsigned leading into February's national signing day, because just these years past, you've just seen so many guys that have signed in December to where there's really kind of a limited number of guys. You're kind of seeing some schools, maybe take a stretch on a guy that they weren't really pressing in December, but now they are in January and February, but um, you know, there's still some quality guys left on the board for Florida. So I'm excited because you saw what these guys did in a short period of time, adding some really key players to this commitment class. I'm excited to see what they do a with more time, um, just because the sheer amount of time they didn't have in December and B filling out the coaching staff, you know, these guys really did, uh, you know, made a lot of big moves with some of these guys that they landed in the early signing period. And that was with what, four or five coaches on the, on the yeah, on-field coaching four, staff. So, um, you know, that, that was, um, it was exciting to see, and I'm excited to see how the things go in the future for them, because I do think the staff is going to get after it. Yeah. We'll have to get a, we'll have to get some kind of stream to see these late night Patrick Tony video game sessions, man. Uh, let me, let me just say that guy's got it figured out. All right. He's, He's managed to work while playing video games. I got, yeah, I got to take notes. That's here, the but. dream. <laughs> but uh, no, Blake. I wanted to ask you. I know, obviously, you talked about kind of the core nucleus. Is there a superlative in the positive sense of, you know, the one thing that you would say, man, Florida absolutely crushed it on either this prospect or this guy? Like, what, what did you like most about the way things kind of came about? Well, I think you have to start off with Kamari Wilson. I mean, you know. I don't even know how long to put into a time span, but just for the longest time that I can remember, you know, most of this entire cycle, Kamari Wilson was a foregone conclusion that this kid's going to Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, there, it was, you know, silent commitment, whatever you want to say, you know, I, I don't know if I would assume that's what the deal was. Um, but for Florida to come in 
and really kind of turned the tide there, um, changed what they did there. Because this is a guy that early on, I mean, Florida was his very first scholarship offer. Um, and that came from a key guy that's on Florida's off the field staff and Jamar Chaney, um, who's now back at Florida as a defensive analyst. You know, that was a big move for um, Florida and Kamari Wilson because, you know, they're from the same area, you know, up there in Fort Pierce. Um, and, you know, if you ask Kamari, you know, Jamar is one of those legends of, you know, his hometown. So those guys having the relationship they did. Um, so, A, you know, getting a, a five-star type of player in your first signing period when you've already had a shortened period. Um, but I think just the fact that they were able to turn that recruitment so quickly where a guy was leaning so heavily to another school like Georgia, um, I think that's a superlative in its own. Um, you know, just Shamar James was another guy that, you know, people were wondering, you know, what's going to happen with, you know, Shamar that now that Christian Robinson's future is unknown, you know, we're seeing what happens there, but it was, it was sort of a thought that, you know, Christian Robinson was the one who built this relationship with Shamar James. And it was something that people weren't sure that if, if, if Christian Robinson's future is still up in the air, what's going to, what's that going to matter for Shamar James? And I think that showed that this staff was able to overcome things. Um, you know, you've seen in the prior staff, you know, especially under Mullen staff to where this coaching staff really kind of struggled to get over certain humps. Right. You know, there were things that would happen that they just could never overcome in a recruitment. And I think you saw this staff to where they can relate to these kids. Um, you know, they're personable, you know, I mean, you're, you're playing video games with a guy till 1am, you know, that's something that, you know, you're, you're really putting in the time and the effort. Um, so I think that those were two superlatives holding on to, you know, uh, Chris McClellan, who I think was a guy that early on for most of his recruitment wanted to go to Oklahoma. He's an in-state guy from the Tulsa area in Oklahoma, has a lot of friends that are going to Oklahoma um, from the state of Oklahoma. And on top of that, too, uh, the Sooners land Nick Evers, you know, Jaden uh, uh, Gibson, um, another guy that, you know, two guys that were in Florida's class there. So there were just so many guys that he was familiar with there and he was still able to stick with Florida, you know, getting to come on a Sunday only official visit because he was able to take a second one due to a head coaching change, gave him time by himself and you know his family to spend one-on-one -on -one time uh, with Billy Napier, Kelvin Bolden, who is a really important part of that um, in, in the off-the-field role. So, um, you know, I, I think that seeing those those late charges, I think, is a superlative enough for Florida because you you see these guys that didn't have the time and the expectations. You know, I mean, Billy Napier said it in his introductory press conference. You know, be patient with us. You know, we'll right. see how things go. And I and yes, there are still ways to be patient because I mean, at the end of the day, you don't have a full number of guys in the signing class. You know, you're not even you know you're you're just under halfway. Um, so there's still a lot of room to build there. But I just think the uh, there should be a lot of confidence in this staff going forward because you can see that a they can win those battles and B, they can flip things back into their favor, even with a short period of time. Yeah, I think a couple things stand out to me. I mean, when you talk about Kamari, I think the thing that comes across to me is not only the personal anecdote of kind of how that went about with the, the late night video games, the, you know, Kamari telling Billy Napier while they're over at IMG, hey, man, you need to talk to my mom. And, and the first thing Billy Napier does is, is runs over to the Sam's Club and, and has a conversation with her there. That's the kind of relentless approach that I think was missing under the previous staff. But then I also think to to your point of working in Jamar Chaney into that recruitment, it shows me that Billy Napier kind of knows what's important individually. Like he he kind of did his homework on Kamari, knew that Jamar Chaney had that early relationship with him from the same area in Fort Pierce, and you kind of put the right people into the right positions, right? And that's what Billy Napier has talked about with his staff. If Florida was able to do that with ten days, essentially and pull off a guy that, like you said, almost everybody had locked into Georgia, 
what are they going to be able to do when they actually have a full staff? I mean, I'm looking at the, the on-field coaches right now, Blake. They've got five guys out of the 10 that they will have, right? And looking at them, I mean, Corey Raymond's a massive hire, but some of these other guys are, are kind of more up-and-comers. Kiri Colbert was announced on early signing period, so he probably didn't have a whole lot of recruiting impact in those first 10 days, those nine signees. Um, but Florida's still got some big hires coming, man. They didn't they didn't agree to a $7.5 million pool for nothing. So there's going to be some big-time hires coming. And when you get all those guys, and not only can you have that ability to be relentless in your recruiting pursuit, but you can kind of sell the vision. To me, that's another part that maybe was missing at times under Dan Mullen. It's like they, you know, their 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 sales pitch was sort of, you know, we know what we're top doing. Top five in academics, top five in football. Right, and we know Cut what we're doing paste. X's and O's wise. You know, from from the O line standpoint, we'll develop you over the course of several years. And and those pitches weren't. I mean, that's what that staff kind of sold, right? And that's okay. But I think it ran into trouble when you started seeing the vision not play out on the field, right? So you do need that that element of being able to sell even when things maybe aren't as easy to see. And I think that's some of what Dan Mullen's staff ran into trouble with. And then again, coupled with we've talked about a lot, they were much better when they got people in person. And I think the pandemic really helped them or hurt them. I think that's why you saw the recruiting drop off a little bit. But like... Uh, Let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, I want to get some of your thoughts on where we kind of reset the board going forward, because I know you've talked about there are a good number of prospects out there that Florida will be involved with. Florida's still probably looking for a quarterback. I need to add a running back. You've got a lot of work to do in the trenches on both sides. So let's take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to discuss kind of laying out the board over the next six, seven weeks into National Signing Day. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with my co-host, Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, we've talked about, you know, Emory Jones expected to transfer after this bowl game. That will happen on Thursday. And so that will leave Florida with three scholarship quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, Carlos Del Rio Wilson, and Jalen Kitna. And obviously, given the, the injury issues that Anthony Richardson has already dealt with, I think it's safe to say Florida needs another quarterback on the roster, preferably for the spring, but at least for the fall. I guess, Blake, how do you approach that 
from your end, if you're Billy Napier, are you looking for high school prospect? Do you think a transfer quarterback makes more sense? What are you kind of expecting as of now? And obviously this can be very fluid and change quite a bit. Sure. And I guess for me, the starting point is, do you take two? Is, is taking two, that, that's, the, that's more of the question for me than anything. Because I do think that a transfer portal quarterback is going to be where you start at. You've seen so many guys that have entered the transfer portal. Some of these guys have already committed to schools. You know, Bo Nix was one that committed to Oregon the other day. So there, there was a lot of guys that were in the portal that were, you know, pretty well-known starters. Um, you know, there's obviously some depth piece kind of guys in there that, you know, maybe weren't getting the playing time. And I guess for Florida, you've seen so many of the guys on social media that deal with a lot of, you know, the quarterbacks, you know, the Billy Napiers, Ryan O'Hara, who's in an off-field capacity capacity for Florida as an analyst, but who's going to deal with quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So you've seen him follow some guys on Twitter through the transfer portal. And I think the the guy to follow for me, I think the one to watch mostly is Jack Miller. Um, he is a former four-star recruit um, who signed with Ohio State, is in the transfer portal. He's from the state of Arizona. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of ties there, A, because – Back in 2017, Arizona State was an offer for Jack Miller, um, which is where Billy Napier was the offensive coordinator at. So there was some relationships there from his time in Arizona. Um, I think that he fits a lot of what Napier wants to do with a quarterback. So I think that as far as transfer portal guys, you know, are, I guess I don't have the answer to say how many guys are talking to that are still in there. I know that there's been some other names that have had Florida reach out, but Miller is the one guy that I know that Florida has extended an offer to, you know, you've been giving him a scholarship. He has a chance to come to Florida. Um, and I really like Florida for him. Um, as far as other guys, you know, maybe at the high school level, which I guess, again, is my question of, you know, do you take two? And I'm not um, sure. Kind of, I'm not sure what I would do on that front. I'm not sure either. And I, and I think that transfer portal to me is definitely the one, for sure route that you go. You get a guy that's had some experience in there, maybe fits what you want to do. You have him there in the spring, like you said. So a lot of those boxes are checked off by going through a transfer portal type of guy. And again, Jack Miller's the guy that uh, Napier has evaluated. You know, you go back to things that you're comfortable with mm -hmm. um, and, and Miller being one of those guys. So I think that's where you start. They're obviously still talking to some other guys at the high school level um, that haven't signed yet. Um, you've seen some of these guys that have made some late decisions to sign that Florida was talking to. Um, Robbie Roper is one guy that Florida hasn't offered. Um, he's from the Roswell area, put up a, a boatload of stats um, for his senior year at, at the Georgia classification at the high school level. Um, he does not have an offer from Florida, but he's been talking to the coaches, you know, the O'Hara's, the Napiers. So that's one guy that I think that that interest is picking up. They are talking to him quite a bit more, but there are plenty of other guys that are, you know, committed other schools um, that didn't sign. Um, I'd have to probably go through and see if there were any late decisions to sign, but there were, there, there's a host of guys at the high school level that Florida's still talking to. But I think that if you pair a high school guy with the transfer portal, um, I think that's a good route for Florida to go. But I think for sure transfer portal is where they're going to have to go in that direction at that position. Yeah. I kind of, I think if you get, you know, Miller, I think that you're good. You can kind of take a year and I'm kind of leaning in the camp of not taking two personally. Now, if, if this staff decides that, you know, they go through the evaluation of Del Rio Wilson and, uh, you know, Jalen Kitna, and maybe they don't love what they see, maybe you consider taking two. But I think I, I don't think there's a for sure answer. Yeah, yet. I don't know. I mean, that's that's one of those ones that I think would be fluid. I also think, you know, the the delay and maybe offering a roper could be, you know, you're trying to figure out how the other pieces fit with your scholarship limits and stuff like that. Um, so we'll see on that. Blake, I guess rather than ask you about individual positions, is there a target or two that you can say right now that you know that Florida would love to have in the boat come February National Signing Day? 
Yeah, you know, you go at the running back position, you know, two names to follow there. Um, Trevor Etienne, the little brother of Travis Etienne, who's for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's actually planning to make a decision on uh, January 8th, which I believe is the uh, what are they, the All-American Bowl. I, I still call it the Army yeah. game, um, but he'll be make his decision at the at the All-American Bowl. But he's still planning to make an, an official visit to Florida the weekend of June or excuse me, January 14th, which I think is shaping up to be Florida's big official visit weekend for that January period. Um, they've already got a couple guys coming in there, um, but I think even more so at running back. You've seen Billy Napier hit the road that first week that he was hired. One of the first guys he went to see was ETN. He went with Jabar Jaluk, the Florida uh, Florida's running backs coach. But another guy they went to see and offered was Trevante Citizen. He's a former uh, LSU commit who's still unsigned. Um, Auburn, LSU, uh, Texas A&M. I mean, he's got some big-time schools still chasing after him. But this was a guy that Napier and Jaluk went to see like the Monday that they hit the road. So this was one of their first stops, one of their first offers. Um, to be extended since they took over. So I think that those two at running back are probably the guys to uh, to follow mostly right there. Wide receiver to me is a big question mark because I'm not sure that the board really sets up to where there's a lot of answers for who they're going to go after. Is that going to be something where they go through the transfer portal? Um, we'll see because, again, Colbert, you know, Florida's new wide receivers coach, he's, he was hired on the early signing period. So maybe that's something that where he needs to go in and reset, look at guys that he likes, see what's out there from the high school level, guys that he's familiar with recruiting, maybe some new guys that he likes that he didn't have a chance to recruit at USC that now he does at Florida. Um, but Caleb Douglas, the three-star wide receiver from Texas, I think is one of those names to watch. And there are a lot of ties there because, you know, Florida has some guys like Joe Hamilton, who is in the off-field role, um, who has a lot of ties to Texas. Um, so that's someone who's been in communication with Douglas. Uh, Napier's been in touch with them. But this was a guy that was committed to USC under Colbert. So now you've got a guy that he was committed to at USC on staff at Florida. Those relationships continue to kick in. Um, I actually spoke with him, uh, you know, a couple of days ago. And he said that that one thing that he liked about Colbert was because he knows how to recruit and how to coach up guys at his level, or excuse me, I, I guess I should say his skill set. You know, a guy that's six foot three, one hundred eighty five, um, got a big wingspan. He's coached a lot of those types of guys, so he'll make it an official visit to Florida on the third uh, that weekend of the fourteenth in January. Um, so I think that for wide receiver, that's probably the one to watch. Um, the trenches, I think, is an important spot for Florida. First and foremost, you need to you know fend off guys like Auburn um, for Jalen Farmer, Florida's commit who has not signed and will sign in February. Um, he should be making an official visit to Florida in January. January, but past that, you know you don't really have a lot of guys on the offensive line that Florida has offered so far that remains unsigned. I think you'll probably start to see that board start to expand as they continue to look at guys and watch film and kind of get, you know, their, their feeding of where, you know, their footing, I guess I should say for where they're at for some of these guys. Um, but you've seen some new offers go out, you know, a guy like Danny Lewis, who's a, a three-star tight end committed to Cincinnati, um, put up big numbers in the state title game in the Louisiana level. Um, someone who, again, you know, those Louisiana ties there from the staff with all their connections there. Um, so I think you're going to see them, Look at guys that they have prior relationships with to make things kind of an easy transition. Um, you could you could expect to see some new names go on the board because you know you're going to have to expand the board at certain positions. But um, as they continue to do that, that's something that I think will be fun to watch as January unfolds. But you know those, I, I think the trenches is an area where they need to fill out things. The wide receiver is one as well because you saw some guys like Chandler Smith, you know Jaden Gibson, who I mentioned earlier, some of those guys at the wide receiver position 
that ended up at other schools. So you're really kind of essentially hitting the reset button for that position. But Caleb Douglas was actually the first offer that Napier and his staff extended since being at Florida. So I think that shows the interest there, the ties to Colbert. So um, those are a couple of names. Again, you know, that's probably something that we'll have more answers to as they continue to Absolutely. add new offers going forward. But, um, you know, those are st- the running back position, the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, or I think the most interesting ones to me, just because there's still a lot of questions, you know, what they're going to do, where they're going to go, um, who they're going to land of the guys that they do like that I just named off. So there, there's still a lot of questions. And I think it still makes it for a pretty fun February national signing day, because usually, man, it's like, you know, what are we going to do for yeah. the next month of writing about these guys? You know, there's nothing going on. And I don't think that'll be the case this year. Now visit swamp247.com. Blake will have you covered. Uh, no, Blake, I think receiver is interesting to me because I, I think anybody that watched Florida football this year, yes, you had a little bit of an issue at quarterback in terms of being able to get them the ball. But I just didn't see a ton of the younger talent, you know, really step up. I think, you know, Xavier Henderson, maybe not quite so far the guy that we thought he could be coming out of high school. I think I'm still pretty high on Jaquavian Frazier's. Uh, who knows? Trent Whittemore could could really have Marcus a Burke was here. impressive in his in his, his small that's sample that you but, saw there. But. but you're looking at it like numbers wise, they got to get some younger guys in there. Like even if you you know don't take a ton in 2022, you need to have a big big receivers class in right. 2023. And I, I do think there's some guys in the state. You know, I was just flipping through uh, Raymond Cottrell's one that Florida's had you know ties with previously. Uh, some of these guys, but you know, I, I think the one thing I keep going back to is sort of that that patience that Billy Napier showed in the early signing period. I don't think you're going to see Florida scramble maybe a whole lot. And and maybe there's some takes that come out of the portal that people are like, eh, I don't really know. But I don't think you're going to see maybe a bunch of numbers even in, in this national signing day. I, I would be surprised if, you know, it got beyond kind of what they did signing nine on on that uh, that early signing period. But th- that's my take. I think they're just not And I don't gonna... think that's a bad route to go on a transition class. Mm-hmm. Don't take any stretches if you don't want to. Save the spots to take a higher class in 2023 because there's a lot of big-time guys um, in the state of Florida that you can kind of reset the board on. You know, you can go and, and try to, you know, like, like wide receiver, like you said, it, it's a pretty loaded group in 2023. So if you don't need to take a stretch in 22, don't do it. You yeah, can and load I'm, up I'm on that 2023 of, class. I think if you look at kind of – and, and it's hard to it's hard to compare college football these days to maybe examples even 15 years ago with like an Urban Meyer. Um, some of the principles still apply. Like Urban's second class was was lights out, right? Yeah, that was the class of Tebow spikes. And when you bring in a class that is among you know the top three classes in the country, you've got some obvious superstars in your bump class year. You kind of almost earn more patience that way than you do with results on the field, in my opinion. Now, there's a balance there. You know, good results on the field are necessary still. But I think if you're looking at it, you know, and you're you're Billy Napier, you say, hey, okay, you know, we do have the transfer portal, so we can probably kind of patchwork, you know, what we need right away. But let's not sacrifice the long term for kind of the shorter term. And I think when you listen to Billy Napier talk, he has specifically said that phrase that I just said, we're not going to we're here for the long, you know, the long vision. We're not we're not going to sacrifice that for the short term. And I do think numbers play into that. I think if you can take a huge 2023 class, you know, with a lot of pieces, that's going to be the foundation for the future. And guys like Anthony Richardson, sure, they're going to play into your early success and all that. But at the end of the day, Florida does continue to need a talent infusion if they're going to catch up with the likes of Alabama, uh, Texas A&M on the schedule next year, Georgia. And so I think Yes, like you kind of want that talent to be there immediately. And I think you saw some of that in pulling 
Kamari Wilson and landing Shamar James. But I think you're going to see that similar type of approach leading into National Signing Day, where if they can get high-quality guys like that, they'll push for them, they'll take them, but they're not going to necessarily panic and, and fill gaps. Blake, is there anything that you have to say? I'm going to shift gears on you real quick here. Just about observations of how this staff has approached things in recruiting so far, how the organization, you know, is setting up behind closed doors relative to, you know, what we've covered over the last couple years with uh, really, I mean, going back to, to, to Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen, as far as how they're structuring things, are there any early thoughts that you have on just sort of the infrastructure that's being built at Florida? Yeah, you know, I really like it. You know, I think I've been clamoring for a long time for Florida to really add to that recruiting office. And that's not to say that the guys weren't cutting the mustard, um, you know, at, at the former staff. I, I think more than anything, you just needed more of them. You needed more people on the behind the scenes part of, you know, the recruiting offices. You know, I, I think adding someone like Katie Turner, who came over from Georgia. Um, that was where I was going to steer you. You know, that was a, I think that was a big hire because you just see, uh, you know, and talk to people that have dealt with her and they say, you know, that she's really, really good at what she does. You know, she's really good at getting people on campus, showing them all you know, around, really making them feel at home. And I think that that is going to really be kind of a good branch between the coaching staff and the recruiting office. You know, a guy like Jacob LaFrance, who's going to be there as a director of player personnel. I thought that was one of the biggest areas from the former coaching staff that really needed to take that next step to really kind of, you know, even more so branched again, the recruiting office to the coaching staff. You know, that's the person who's going to be watching the film, who's going to be communicating with these guys in the recruiting offices that can build relationships. You know, this is someone that I have a connection with. This is someone whose film I really like that I think coach needs to see. And I think the organization there, I think, is going to make things run a lot smoother because A, you've got someone there who's running point who I think is going to be really organized. And you've got a bunch of people that are really talented. You know, someone like Katie Turner, who's done it at Georgia. You've seen how Georgia recruits. You know, obviously they've done really well under her. Can that same success that organization be brought to Florida. And I think that's where the recruiting office has really been lacking is that organization, that person who's going to run point, who's going to be able to really kind of get somewhere for A, the recruiting office to B, the coaching staff. So um, if you can continue to do that, add the, you know, the army is what Billy Napier has mm -hmm. kind of named those guys that'll be off the, off the field. And I think for the longest time that Florida has really needed that type of army. Yes, will a, a new facility help you in a lot of things? Yes, that'll get kids interested. That's something maybe that whenever you're checking down the things of what this school has that Florida doesn't, um, that's something that keeps you in the game. But facilities aren't going to be what land these kids. It's going to be the people that continue to evaluate guys, build these relationships, really kind of keep things communicated. You know, Because again, these guys are recruiting office. They can take you all the way to the end but they're not coming to play for these guys. They're not coming to play for a guy in the recruiting office. You know, they're not coming to play for, you know, a Jacob LaFrance. They're coming to play for, you know, Billy Napier or whatever position you have you. So I think those relationships and continuing to build those and having more people to be able to connect these guys, recruit these guys and keep these coaches informed of every little twist and turn that goes on. I think those are going to be the big important things for Florida. Those are what's going to be taking that recruiting to the next level. If you can continue to build relationships and relate to these guys, which seemingly the staff that's been assembled so far for on the field has done a good job of. If you have that army behind you, I think that that's, that's all the, you know, all you need in the world for Florida, because those are the guys that are really going to help you build things around. They're going to be there to help this coaching staff. And I think that that was something that's been lacking because you see schools like Alabama, you see schools like A&M and Georgia and all the ones that recruit really well. They have that army of off the field staffers and Florida just hasn't had that sheer number of guys. It's something that if you're on message boards, 
you know, you talk to people who cover recruiting or see recruiting. It's something that's been lacking for a while. It's not a Dan Mullen thing. It's not a Jim McElwain thing. It's something that a Florida thing where they needed to add yeah. those. It's something that is this new day and age of recruiting. You just need more people and whatever silly title you want to name them, but they just need more people in there doing what you need to do on the recruiting trail. And I think the more people you have doing that, assuming you have it well organized. Sure. The, organization the is can, key. The more you can kind Bodies of Bodies won't do anything. Organization is the key. Right. And that helps take some of the load off of those assistant coaches so that they can do the things that they need to do and, uh, you know, say, Hey, you know, Shamar's up right now. He's, he's on, you know, uh, NBA 2k or whatever, you know, and, and why don't you hop on and see if he wants to play those kind of things. Those, those guys that, you know, are behind the scenes in a lot of ways, organize that. And I do think you got to give Dan Mullen some credit. I think that they really struck out on that kind of behind the scenes personnel early in Dan Mullen's tenure. When you talk about guys like Otis Yelverton, Cordell Landers, some of the other guys, I'm going to forget some of the names, but there were a lot of hires that were made that were supposed At to do those At one point, there was like two guys in there, you yeah. know, two or three guys. And, in and there. they didn't work out. And I remember distinctly in 2019, they spent the entire offseason kind of revamping that whole staff. And they brought in guys like John Heron and some of these other guys to be sort of assistants to the assistants, right? And so they tried to do it, Blake. What I thought was lacking was they didn't have a Mark Pantone type. They didn't. And, and that, I Bingo. think is what Jacob LaFrance is going to be for Florida. He's going to be in charge of this kind of three-headed monster that is, you know, high school transfer portal, and then I, I believe they break it down into kind of underclassmen. Um, so they're, they're going to have people that look over all that and people that report to people and are responsible for certain things, and that just helps improve the overall operation. I mean, Florida is so early in this infrastructure build under Billy Napier. I'm not even sure they get it all done in one year. Like, I... I, I you know, I don't think that everything is going to happen right away. But when you look at the success that they had on in the early signing period with just some of the few guys that they had available, I I, I said this on the the quick podcast I did the night of of early signing period, Blake. I don't see how you could come away as anything less than very stoked about the potential direction for where this thing is headed. I don't think so either. You know, you see what they did again with the short staff. You know, getting people in there on the field, off the field, all those types of things. Um, I think the idea, and I think it's good that Billy Napier really pushed for, you know, that infrastructure of the off the field hires to really kind of pull some money together for assistant coaches, um, because those guys, you know, those are the ones you can close. You can have all the, you know, the army guys, I, you know, there, there are just so many different things that connect to the recruiting process. It was necessary to have these extra people um, in the off-field role. It's good to have people that are organized. And again, having those assistant coaches that can come in and close because closing is, you know, that's, that's the name of the game. You know, you can do all the work in the world. You can build all the relationships in the world, but you have to be able to close. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. It's been a little bit of a quieter week in terms of news. Most of the staff hires we've gotten are off the field. That will change in the near future. I don't know if that's in the next week, but we do know that there's multiple NFL assistant coaches being targeted for the on-field staff. And so, you know, towards the beginning of the semester, I think over the next couple of weeks, you're going to see a lot of movement in terms of transfer portal, as Blake has pointed out, some guys that Florida's already going after, uh, assistant coaches and off-the-field staffers being hired. So as always, be sure to tune in to Swamp247.com. Blake will have you covered on the recruiting front. Myself, Brett Diogardi, and Bob Redman will have you covered on the team front. We will obviously be covering the Gasparilla Bowl quite a bit over the next few days. I'm headed to Tampa tomorrow for a set of interviews after practice, and then I will be there on Thursday for the bowl game. So a lot to look forward to. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you join us on Swamp 24-7. That will do it for today's episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in.
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.